Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 259. You are listening to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews, everything you need to know. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading. First-time listeners, we're really glad you found us. We hope you enjoy the show and become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, The Rock teams up with Siri to make a short movie for Apple. Our gaming habits have been revealed and we find out why we love to play. And Samsung has announced an event to launch what we're expecting to be the Note 8 in the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the Sony Mobile XZ Premium Smartphone, the new Panasonic 4K OLED TV, and Netgear has released Arlo Baby, the 21st century baby monitor. And we'll wrap things up as we do every week with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show for you, so let's jump straight in. Well, Dwayne Johnson, otherwise known as The Rock, is uh, arguably the largest action movie star in the world. And I mean that physically, literally. He is quite a big man, uh, but he is uh, quite a big star too. He's uh, been appearing in a lot of blockbuster films, action films. Uh, he's got a few others lined up. Uh, he's uh, starring, I think, in a remake of Jumanji is coming out pretty soon. He's recently made, he starred in the uh, Fast and the Furious films. Uh, was in a quite a funny movie called Central Intelligence with Kevin Hart, the comedian. So he's uh, he's out there and uh, he's doing a lot. And that that is the subject of a funny short movie that he joined forces with Siri to create. Uh, this film, a short film, it's only three minutes forty five. It's called Dominate the Day, and it combines it it shows the Rock in his uh, portraying himself, of course and him using uh, Siri to get even more done. What happens in the clip, and you can see it on our tech guide, uh, on our story on Tech Guide, he sees a news report about himself on the TV, and the news report comments that uh, he's involved in so many projects, uh, how, how could he possibly do more? And The Rock takes that uh, to be, a, a, he says, that sounds like a challenge. And uh, so he, he grabs his phone and says, hey, Siri, and then sets off to do as much as he can from commandeering a lift ride to flying a plane to Rome and retouching the Sistine Chapel and becoming a fashion designer, a chef, an opera performer, and even going into space, it's quite they pack quite a lot into this short movie. Now, the whole idea, of course, 
is to promote Siri. And all the while, he's using Siri to ask various questions. I think in the, in the Sistine Chapel scene, he's got his hands all full of paint, and he says, hey, Siri, read out my last email. And he asks, uh, Siri, start a new list for me, life goals. And, and he, he just illustrates the many different ways that you can use Siri on the iPhone. I think the first uh, time he uses it in the video is when he he asks Siri to organise a lift ride to him to the airport, which you can actually do now. You can use your voice and uh, ask Siri to find the nearest lift, and you can, without even touching the phone, organise to be picked up using the Lyft service. That's L-Y-F-T. It's the alternative to Uber in some parts of the world, including here in Australia and also in the US. So the... The short movie only runs for three minutes forty-five, but they do pack a lot in, and it had the they they even created a movie poster for it. And at the top of the movie poster, you know, on a, on a regular film poster, they have they have the name of the stars at the top of the poster. In this case, it says Dwayne Johnson. On the other side of the poster, it says Siri. <laughs> Siri's considered a co-star of The Rock in this film. Uh, and it is, it's not the first time Apple's actually created a short film before the Worldwide Develop- Developers Conference kicked off. To kick off the keynote at this year's Worldwide Developers Conference, Apple made a video called App, uh, App Apocalypse. It's App Apocalypse. So it's App Apocalypse. So it's to, because it was set just before Worldwide Developers Conference, it was meant, meant to introduce the keynote at the Worldwide Developers Conference. The whole point of the video was what would the world be like without apps if suddenly apps disappeared and we're seeing chaos on the streets. It was like Armageddon, hence the name Apocalypse, and there were cars crashing and trucks blowing up, and it was quite a production. And at the very end of that movie, it said, keep making apps. The world needs you. That was kind of the point of the whole movie. So Apple's got some form making these short films to promote uh, their products and services. And in this case, with the, with the Rock, they couldn't have found a bigger star. And he's teamed up with Siri to dominate the day. And uh, we actually tweeted this uh, from our Tech Guide handle, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson actually retweeted it for us. So uh, all, all he retweeted to all 11.5 million of his followers. So if you're not following Tech Guide on Twitter, at TechGuideAU is our handle. Uh, we did have a tweet uh, retweeted by The Rock himself, and uh, that's really helped us getting a few people over to Tech Guide to read that story. As you can do that exact same thing. If you want to check out that clip, the movie, and read that for yourself, you know where to go, where all these people are going, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Now, I don't know about you, but I consider myself a gamer. That is, I love playing video games, computer games, whatever you like to call them. Whether you're playing on your gaming console or on your phone, you are a gamer. And there was some interesting information released today, a study by Bond University uh, done in conjunction with the Games and Entertainment Association, that's IGEA. They conducted a study among more than 1,200 Australian households and 3,135 individuals and really came up with a surprising snapshot of our gaming habits. 
and answered all kinds of questions about why we like to play, who is playing, what our household look like, families in play, how long we play. Uh, really interesting stats that I'm happy to go through with you right now. Some really interesting information, that information that will surprise you as well. Now, of all the families surveyed, 97% of the households with children owned a gaming device or console. So that's nearly everybody with kids has a gaming device in the home. Uh, and of those, of all the homes, uh, of 97% that do have the computer games, 80% of those have more than one gaming device as well, so two or more. Uh, virtual reality is also popular. 16% of households have a virtual headset. So we're, we're playing VR. You can play VR with PlayStation, of course, PlayStation VR, as well as through several different apps on a phone that is then placed inside a headset. Uh, and an interesting fact, though, on the, the way we game, 33% of families choose not to download games because it would affect their home broadband data limits. So people prefer to actually purchase the game because it meant it, it means not having to use up data to download the game. I found, I found that really interesting. Uh, 67% play video games uh, with older Australians making up a surprisingly large group of players. 43% of people aged 65 and over play video games. And females account for 46% of all players, and so nearly half of all gamers are women. Now, this is a stat I really like, is the average age of a gamer. There's been a perception for decades that gaming was something that only kids did, kids and teenagers. Well, the average age for a gamer is actually 34, and that's a year older than last year's average. So it does absolutely smash that out out of the water. That notion that it's a that computer games it's just for kids only. In fact, the research found that seventy seven percent of all gamers, all players, are over eighteen. That's the majority. Now, what about the families at play? It is definitely a family affair. We're seeing today, back back in the old days when before gaming was at its peak. Now. Families just used to gather around the TV to watch things. They used to watch what was on telly that night. Well, well that's all changed because 60% of parents now play with their kids. Uh, they play games with the kids in the same room, so they play together. 44% actually play online games with their kids. So uh, parents teaming up with their kids online or against their kids online. And, and also parental control. Now that we have a rating system that goes all the way to R in the gaming world, it is a lot easier now for parents to determine the game suitable for their children. That, that was a campaign that ran for years, and now it's, it, it brings it into parity with movies because uh, there was, for a time, there was no R rating for games. So if a game didn't meet the MA rating, it had to either be changed or banned. Well, now games are considered uh, in the same way as movies in that rating system. But in this study, uh, it showed that 81% of, uh, of parents are familiar with the controls on a game, the parental controls on a gaming system, and 84% have actually discussed online safety, playing online safely with their child. So that's something that, that, that I think carries over from supervising their child, how they use the internet. And this just carries over to that because if they are playing online, then that is technically the internet. And uh, families and parents are well aware uh, of that, 84% in fact, and they have discussed that with their child. 
how long do we play? Uh, there is, if, if you left it up to kids to play, they play for hours and hours on end. Well, on average, we play 89 minutes per day. 98 minutes on average for males, 77 minutes for females. Now, we should point out here that not everyone's spending that 89 minutes in front of a PlayStation 4 playing Call of Duty or any other game like that. They are playing some of that on the console. The other gaming that you've got to remember is on our phones. We're using apps. We're using Words with Friends. We're using all these other, other games. So that makes up this whole picture. That's all part of that. Um, casual gamers uh, is what we call them, the people who just they play for 10 minutes twice a day. Uh, while one hour a day is typical, if, if someone's playing an in-depth game, an hour a day is how much they spend on that game. Well, the other question to ask is why we play. And that, that's not a silly question. What well, we play, obviously, because we want to have fun, but there are other reasons why we play. In the study, 84% it was to improve their thinking skills. 78% said it was they wanted to improve their dexterity. While 59%, and this was a surprise, 59% play to help manage pain. So it must take their mind off their pain. They must have chronic pain that they that only gaming can help them forget. Now, in terms of positive aging, this is another big area of games that, that has been uncovered. 90% said video games increase their mental stimulation. So that helps them. It's exercising their brain, training their brain. 80% said they think playing may help fight dementia in their older age. 54% even said gaming may increase their mobility because there are a lot of physical games you can play. And uh, 54% believe, well, it can, help, it can help them get around a little bit better. Now, in terms of gaming, we know that it's for fun, but it's also to learn as well. Gaming and education are really going hand in hand nowadays. And one third of Australians actually use games at work. One in two parents are also aware that their children have used games at school. So it's a great, uh, effective teaching tool. Uh, that's what 71% of parents think anyway. So it's uh, the, the whole gaming landscape, it, which is, is a massive industry in Australia, by the way. We're talking a multi-billion dollar industry in Australia. And it's played by multiple age groups uh, for a multiple number of reasons. And it, it, is, it is a real family affair. It helps bring a family together, keeps them playing together. A family that plays together, stays together, uh, is a saying that I've uh, just coined just now. I think I've heard it before, though. But uh, it is, it is an, interesting, an interesting look at the way our gaming habits uh, and a great study. That's an annual study that's produced by IGEA and Bond University, and this year's study is no different. If you want to read all of those stats... Uh, read a little bit more in-depth, you can find it at techguide.com.au. Now, there was an interesting announcement made a few days ago uh, announcing an event, uh, a Samsung event to be precise, that's going to be held in New York on August the 23rd, and it is likely, uh, heavily rumoured to be, an event to announce and launch the new Galaxy Note 8. Now, it was uh, not... You don't have to think too far back to remember what happened with the Note 7. That was launched in August last year in New York and was uh, praised by many, including myself, as probably Samsung's best device at that time. We've seen, since seen the successful launch of the Galaxy S8. 
But at that time, the Note 7, I thought, was probably one of the best devices, not only that Samsung's produced, but that I've ever used. Uh, and and uh, this was before any of the dramas with the battery, the recall, the eventual cancellation of the model. At launch, this was a red-hot product, which unfortunately literally became a red-hot product when, when there were some battery issues and uh, cases of explosions and smoke coming out of the, ba- out of the phone. And Samsung uh, dutifully decided on a recall, and they did conduct that recall, offered people refunds if they didn't want uh, uh, to, to just swap the phone. And the worst thing happened, that the, the replacement phones were even faulty. So the, down the line, we did discover that it was the battery that was, uh, each battery had a malfunction of its own, a different malfunction that caused the phone to overheat or explode or emit smoke. And eventually, Samsung decided uh, the best course of action was to actually kill the Note 7. They cancelled the whole model, and a decision that cost them billions of dollars, not to mention uh, did some harm to the brand. It it was quite a story when the Note 7 was taken off the shelves, cancelled, and uh, and all the cases and all, all of the things we heard about the dramas with the, the the phones and they were banned from planes. Anyone getting on a plane at that at that time late last year were told if you if you own the Galaxy Note 7, hand it in, can't fly. Samsung even had uh, kiosks set up at airports to replace people travelling that may have had, that not have given back their Note 7. And it was an, a massive, massive in, uh, experience, engagement for, for Samsung, a massive exercise to to get manage all of that and re- refund customers replace their phones and then move on which what which they did i have to say i take my hat off to samsung at how well they handled that whole situation it was a real test for the company a test that they passed easily uh, it was trying for the company and not only for the bottom line but also for their reputation and Samsung needed to bounce back, and, and I believe they did that really well with the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus launch earlier this year. But in the background, the Note was never dead. The Note was a product that even their executives said would, would, not, would, would possibly return. And here we are with the rumours reaching a crescendo. There have been rumours around for months about what the Note 8 is going to look like. It's going to have a dual-lens camera. It's going to have a 6.3-inch screen. All these reports flying around. And we've all, it's all but confirmed now that there will be a Note. The, the invitation, the, the event announcement by Samsung had a picture of a, a phone with the words, do bigger things inside it. And beneath those words was what looks like an S Pen, which is the, the, the pen that's used with the Note device. So we're thinking that this is the, the Note 8 that they're going to announce. And it is... Goodness, there's going to be a lot of people... When I wrote this story on Tech Guide late last week, there was such a positive reaction to the story. All the Note fans out there who were devastated to have to give up the Note 7 are now seeing this as... Yes, it's back. We're going to get back on board. The Note is a is a kind of let's call it a niche device. It's not for everyone. I think the S eight. Well, last year we had the S seven, which was the device that was meant to be the flagship uh, top of the line smartphone. The Note device 
is all of that, but it's a bit more powerful, a bit more expensive, has the, the S Pen. So it's a bit more of a niche product for the real power user. So even though the, the whole Note debacle last year was ma- a massive story, it wouldn't have it, it was wouldn't have been it wasn't wouldn't have been bigger if the if the S eight or the S seven phone was recalled. That would have been a much bigger story if it was their their staple, their flagship product. The Note was still a big product, but still very much a, a small part of the portfolio, a, a very high end part of the portfolio for that high end customer. So we're we're likely to see the Note eight back on back in back uh, on the shelves again. Uh, in a couple of months. So I think, well, if if you're going to have an August 23 unveiling, which is August 24 in Australia, you can probably expect maybe an early to mid-September launch, which puts it right before the iPhone 8 launch, which is probably going to be early September with a view to going on sale late September. So we're going to see some interesting movements there by Samsung and its rival Apple. Uh, The Note does not appear to be dead. The Note is... uh, is not dead and buried. It's going to be back. The Note 8 we are expecting to be announced on August the 23. If you want to find out any more info, read our story at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And they've just introduced Orbi, the world's first tri-band Wi-Fi system. Orbi gives you reliable, secure, and super-fast Wi-Fi to every corner of your home. That's right, everywhere. No more dead zones upstairs, no drop connections through walls, just better Wi-Fi everywhere. Orbi reaches up to 370 square metres through typical Wi-Fi barriers like walls, stairs, and doors. With a dedicated internet connection, Orbi helps prevent buffering while streaming your favourite movies and shows. No matter how many devices are connected, you have ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds. The Orbi tri-band Wi-Fi system works with your existing modem to maximise the speed you're paying for. Orbi's sleek design and state-of-the-art technology steals the show. It gives your home a superior Wi-Fi Wi-Fi network that's both easy to set up and elegant to display. With just a couple of clicks, your secure Wi-Fi network will be ready in no time. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Well, we spoke about the potential release of the Galaxy Note 8 a minute ago. We're going to talk about another device that is here, the Sony Mobile XZ Premium. Premium by name, premium by nature. This is a product, Sony's their new flagship product, that really offers some excellent features and high-quality features. I call this a device to attract a premium customer, the discerning customer who appreciates quality. The reason I say that is because it has a few features uh, that 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 are typical that are, that a, a customer shopping for quality will really like. The first is a 4K screen. You're hearing that right, a 4K HDR screen, so high dynamic range on a mobile device. The world's first, as a matter of fact, smartphone with 4K HDR. It's using the same technology that Sony uses in its Bravia TVs. So you are getting quality, and I've got to say, it was beautiful to look at. And there's plenty of 4K content to enjoy on your device, 
YouTube has a whole heap of 4K movies, plenty of content as well. I think Amazon Prime, they're there. Apple will be able to stream 4K, as will others in the future. I'm expecting Netflix and Stan to do the same. And right there in your pocket, you've got a 4K screen. That that device in your hand has as many pixels as the, as the TV in your lounge room, and I've got to say, looks amazing. On the design side, it has refined the the typical XZ the uh, design with the normal sort of that monolithic design has been softened a little bit with some curved edges. It's got some shiny, glossy surfaces as well. Great to look at, but they are a bit of a fingerprint magnet. But still, the minute you hold the phone in your hand, the XZ Premium, you can really feel the quality. I, I quite liked it. The design of the phone, now Samsung and LG seem to have sort of, they've set a trend in the Android world where they they sacrifice uh, the home buttons and other, other stuff on the front of the phone to fit in a larger screen. They, uh, Sony did it with, sorry, so Samsung did it with the S8. LG actually did it before them with their G6. Both really, really popular Android devices. In this case, Sony has not gone down that road. There is plenty of room underneath the screen and above the screen to extend that screen, but Sony chose to keep it as their normal design. The home button is actually on the side. It's not on the front. It's on the side, and is also their fingerprint reader. Uh, the back is where the camera is located, but no, Sony decided we'll keep it how we did, how we've done in the past. I'm, I'm betting that next year they're going to probably take up more of that front real estate of the phone with a screen, as is rumoured uh, that Apple is rumoured to be doing as well with the iPhone 8. They're supposed to be uh, making the front almost completely screen, so no home buttons to speak of. Uh, Sony, in this case, decided to keep it looking a more like last year's design rather than going all out and filling that entire front face with screen. Now, this isn't a small device. This has got a 5.5-inch screen, so it's a pretty big phone. If, if you like a smaller phone, then maybe another Sony or other brand may suit. But if you like a big phone, and I do, this is a good size. 5.5-inch screen, it's a decent size, decent device to hold in your hand, but you do get rewarded with that beautiful 4K HDR screen. But that's not the only that's not the only high end feature on, on the device. The other thing we need to talk about is the camera. Sony's always had Sony Mobile's always had brilliant cameras on their smartphones, and this also can tick that box as well. It's got a 19 megapixel motion eye camera. Now, when you're taking your normal photos, photos and videos, you shoot 4K video, you take your photos, and the results are spectacular. I think they, the, the results speak for themselves. But what the secret sauce in this case for the XZ Premium is a feature they call predictive capture. So when you're about to take a photo, the device is already buffering images even before you've hit before you hit the shutter button. So as soon as you open the camera app, it's already buffering images before you press the shutter button. So what that does is if there's any moment before you've reacted, it likely to have captured it for you. It also can adjust the focus and be ready in case the subject happens to move in that direction or does something. It can it can be ready for that as well. So you're going to get sharp photos. You can not, you're not going to miss the shot because it's always thinking as soon as you open the camera app. So that's a, that's a fantastic feature. Now on the video side, there is another feature they've introduced called Super Slow Motion. 
And I have to say, this was a really cool feature, one that I use quite a bit. And I, I put a little video together of my Dalmatians that I've, I've filmed in, in super slow-mo. It's, it's shot... When you, when you go into super slow-motion mode... You're shooting a video, and when you're ready for it for to shoot in 960 frames per second, that's how fast it, it films, so that when played back, it's really, really slow. You just hit a button, and then it shoots super slow-mo for a couple of seconds. And so then when you play it back, you see, it, you see that portion of the video in really slow motion, and I'm talking really slow down. Uh, four times slower than any other slow motion you can do with any other phone. You can have a lot of fun with this. Took a little bit, bit of getting used to, I've got to admit. So uh, having it in, I kept hitting record and thinking that the whole video was going to be super slow-mo, not realizing that, no, you have to engage super slow-mo while you're filming. So start your video as you normally would. Hit the super slow-mo button when you see something you want to really slow down. And you'll see things in a totally different way. It slows things right down. As I said, I film my, my Dalmatians, and uh, when they're walking around and shaking and do, running and doing all sorts of things in slow motion, they look really, really cool. But there's only, the only limit is your imagination. I think you can have a lot of fun using that feature. I, I thought it was terrific. Uh, on the performance side, the XZ has 4 gig of RAM, 64 gig internal memory, it also has a micro SD card slot, so you can expand that to an additional 256 gig with an SD card, micro SD card. Powered also by the Qualcomm Snapdragon 835 processor, that's, that's their latest silicon there. Also running Google Android 7.1, also the latest of Android. The interface doesn't, it's not too uh, obtrusive. There is, you do see a double up though of certain apps. So you've got your Google apps, which will include your photos, music, and and videos. And Sony has their own suite of apps, which also offer the exact same thing. So there is that, uh, that, that double up there, but nothing that's, uh, no deal breakers there at all. The other high quality part of the phone is the audio. And if, you, if you're a real audio file, you will enjoy the audio quality. We're talking high res audio here that is with bit rates up to six times more than CDs and MP3 files. So if you do like your high quality audio uh, to play it off your device, this is the device for you. So fussy audio, if you're fussy about your audio quality, the XZ Premium really delivers. Speaking of delivering, it does that as well with the battery. The battery is, it's a 3230, so 3230 milliamp hour battery. And it is one of the best batteries I think I've seen in a review of a smartphone. And the reason for that is because built into the device is a feature called Smart Stamina. And this is the, it draws so much efficiency from the battery. So it really hands out the power when it's needed and will shut things down and give you, it learns from your usage habits too. So it reduces energy consumption and gives you the choice of various power-saving levels as well. It also can tell you, judging what, what by your habits, it can activate the stamina mode so that you keep things running longer. Because normally we only think of stamina mode or, or that low power mode on other devices when it's, when it's nearly too late, when we're really down low, not much of a of battery left. This can warn you sooner than that so you can actually prolong the life of the battery. 
So a uh, really cool feature. And, of course, it has a decent-sized battery to begin with, so that really helps in this situation. The Sony Mobile Xperia XZ Premium, it's priced at $1,099, so it puts it up there in the Google Pixel XL, the iPhone, Samsung territory. Uh, but with those features I mentioned, it's got the 4K HDR screen, a super camera, uh, really nice build quality, and that high-res audio, there's plenty going for it. Um, 1099 bucks. Uh, if you buy it on, want to buy it outright, it will also be available on plans as well. If you want to read our complete review, you can check it out, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Moving right along, we're going to talk about a television. And we in the past, we've spoken about the LG OLED TV. Well, they are no longer the only brand with an OLED TV. OLED is, I think, the new super format that offers brilliant picture quality. And before we go any further with this, with this Panasonic review, though, I should point out that there is only one factory that makes OLED displays, and that's LG. LG has a separate business called LG Display. They act, even though they've got the LG in the title, they do act as an independent business, and when they deal with LG as a company, LG Electronics, they buy, uh, the, LG has to buy panels from this display company as if they were another company. So it's Panasonic, like LG, decided to purchase uh, panels from their factory, as, as has Sony. Sony have also got an OLED coming into the market, all running LG panels. But that's not uh, that doesn't mean that each, each company all looks the same and has the same technology. Panasonic has o- an OLED panel, might have been supplied by LG. L- Panasonic didn't confirm this, but I kind of worked it out for myself. Even though they've got an LG panel on their TV, Panasonic has a lot of things running in the background, color processing, image processing, that really makes the panel what it is. And Panasonic's a company that's been making TVs for quite a long time. They know a thing or two about making TVs. They've been in Hollywood for decades and know all about uh, various productions and what quality is supposed to be. And what they've done with this TV They've come up with a magical combination, OLED and Panasonic's heritage and ability to make good TVs is a winning combination. I think uh, terrific that, that they've brought the OLED to Panasonic and uh, the, the TV that I reviewed is a 65-inch, the EZ1000U. Now, this is a 65-inch panel with a built-in speaker blade, they call it, so it's a blade speaker. Uh, which it runs below. It almost looks like the stand of the TV, uh, but the design makes it look like the TV is actually floating above the speaker. Now, Panasonic, as I said, have got advanced color and image processing, and they've really brought it to... That really comes into play with this TV. I think uh, Panasonic's OLED, which is uh, also HDR, high dynamic range, was calibrated by Hollywood's professionals. So people that have been working in Hollywood for decades, as I mentioned, they had a hand in creating the algorithm and the processing and the the color management that goes into this TV to produce the result the filmmakers intended. So they've, they've, the display is, is also THX certified. So what that means, and THX is a brand that was introduced by George Lucas, uh, what that being THX certified means is it had to pass 400 THX lab tests 
in 30 categories to be able to receive that endorsement. So for Panasonic to say it is THX certified, it had to jump through many, many, many hoops. Now, on the design side, I should point out that OLED doesn't require a backlight. OLED is organic light-emitting diode for short. So no backlight, and this is a super thin television. So at the very top of the TV, you'll see in our review the picture of me pinching the screen between my fingers. It's like four and a half millimeters, if that. Super thin. The screen then goes down and thickens somewhat at the bottom, which is where the circuitry of the TV is located and, the, and all the inputs, and then it, and then it sits on the blade speaker. Uh, really nicely designed. But in terms of picture quality, we're, we're talking 4K out of this world, beautiful black levels, HDR, really nice when you're watching 4K. Netflix now has HDR. Netflix also has 4K. Netflix also has Dolby Atmos. Sadly, this TV speaker doesn't include Dolby Atmos. I think sounded great. Bass was a little weak in out of the speaker, but it doesn't have Dolby Atmos, as the LG G7 has Dolby Atmos, which really then ticked the box for me in terms of sound quality, because there is a lot of Dolby Atmos that you can enjoy on 4K disc and also now through Netflix as well. But uh, this TV is still superb, has brilliant uh, color processing, uh, really, really nice uh, color contrast, really natural colors. What I liked about it is that uh, some some pictures, some OLED TVs, uh, or other TVs that I've seen, not OLED, but LED TVs, they really try to pump up the color. They sort of uh, the, the picture almost looks artificial. They just it looks like they're trying too hard. What I like about this TV is that it looks so natural. It knows what looks good. It knows what looks right. So it doesn't pump up the color to give it that kind of artificial, cartoony look. It's really sharp and really pure. So that, and that, that's all thanks, obviously, to 4K clarity, as well as the colors and all that too. They all fit into the puzzle, and the end result is a beautiful picture. The speakers, though, as I mentioned, they're made up of 14 different speaker units. That blade at the bottom... Uh, but the, the, it, there's there's a bass in there too. It's got there, there's eight woofers, four squawkers, two tweeters, and a quad passive radiator for bass. Uh, sounded okay, uh, above average. But in in my mind, I think the bass was a little weak. And there's no Dolby Atmos there as well. I think they uh, they missed an opportunity. Hopefully, the next model may have Dolby Atmos. But that's not to say this is an isn't an excellent TV. I think it's one of the best I've seen. The TH65EZ1000U. Priced at eight thousand eight hundred and ninety nine bucks, that's recommended retail price. Probably cheaper in stores. Shop around. They do have cheaper OLEDs in the range. They've got the EZ ninety five OU, which is sixty five ninety nine. They've also got a fifty five inch model, the TH fifty five EZ nine five OU, and that's four thousand one hundred and ninety five dollars. But my review focuses on the 65-inch TV, their flagship TV with the blade speaker built in, uh, an impressive TV. Panasonic's expertise is really obvious in creating high-quality televisions. Uh, it, it is, as I said, a terrific combination of Panasonic smarts in making TVs and the beautiful OLED panel. It is something to behold. I encourage you to look at my review. You can read it at techguide.com.au. Now, if you're a parent or maybe expecting a child, 
Here's a product you may be interested in. It's the Arlo Baby. Now, this is made by Netgear. Netgear are our great sponsors. Shout out to them. But they've got, uh, they've taken their smart camera technology, their their Arlo camera technology, and brought it into the home to create the 21st century baby monitor. So this is a high definition camera that allows you to keep an eye and an ear on your child and, and give parents a peace of mind, whether they're at home or listening from across the world, they can check in on baby and see how he or she is doing. It's got full HD definition, as I said, full high high definition, 1080p video, and you can stream to an app, you can stream to a tablet or your PC. Later in the year, they're going to have a, a, the Arlo Baby sold with its own 7-inch monitor. So you can have a dedicated screen with its own independent connection to the camera. That's coming later in the year. But uh, the camera, if you want to buy the Arlo, uh, Arlo Baby on its own, that's already available. It's 399 bucks, and it allows you to listen in on Baby. There's two-way audio, so you can actually uh, you can talk to If there's someone in the room, you can talk to them. Or you might want to sort of give your child, if they may be stirring, a bit of a, some soothing words. It does also play lullaby. So instead of you going in there and singing and doing all kinds of things, there are it, there is a music player on board that's uh, loaded up with all the lullabies. So you can your your baby can be sung off to sleep. There is um, there's also a feature on board here to not only keep an eye and an ear on the baby, but it also can tell you things like the temperature in the room the air quality in the room, things like that. So all these factors that go into making a comfortable space for your baby, uh, it allows you to have access to all that information, which you can, of course, see on the app. And, and the it, it can provide push notifications, either an email or an alert to your phone, if it does hear things, uh, see things, see movement or crying. It, it can actually uh, distinguish the sound of a baby crying. So if you want to just filter out every other noise and just get the alerts for the baby crying noises, you can do that. Uh, so a really, really cool product that you can actually decorate with different skins. So you can make it look like a puppy or a bunny or a, puss- or a pussycat, uh, whatever you want. Just something that's really pleasing for your child to look at if they are looking at it. Uh, it does really fit into the nursery's decor as well. The Arlo Baby is available now, 399 bucks. You can buy the a stand to elevate the position of the camera if you want to make it sort of a different angle that you're looking at. Maybe uh, the, the the table near the baby might not be high enough. You might need a stand to be able to get a better viewing angle. That's seventy nine bucks. You can also uh, buy those uh, the little characters like the buy, to transform the camera into a kitten, a Dalmatian puppy, or a bunny. Thirty nine bucks for those. Later this year, as I said, the Arlo Baby Smart HD camera will be accompanied. You can buy it as a pack with a seven inch LCD display. Not sure if you buy the camera now, whether you'll be able to buy the display later this year. I think you'll only be able to buy them together later in the year. So the the camera and the and the display later this year. I think Q four and uh, they're going to announce that price closer to the launch. The Netgear. Arlo Baby, if you're uh, expecting a child, you may have a little baby already, uh, this is the product for you. If you want to check it out, see some images, see how it all works, you can do that. You can see it at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. 
The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. This is the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. Lots of valuable stuff stored on our computer. You think about it. Family photos, videos, tax and work documents, important files. But what would you do if you lost them all? If they were suddenly all gone, encrypted and impossible to retrieve? What I've just described is ransomware. And it's really common. That's a malware that locks you out of your files and then demands that you pay up or lose access to them for good. This, unfortunately, is on the rise in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware, including the recent WannaCry ransomware. This can, it does that by blocking dangerous files, warning you against dodgy links before you click, and backing up files from your PC to the cloud so you'll have a copy if anything goes awry. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au.norton.com. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Our tech guide helped us this week. I had an interesting uh, question from a tradie who was thinking of buying the Cat 60 smartphone. For those of you who don't know what the Cat 60 phone is, this is a rugged smartphone that's built by Caterpillar. Caterpillar is the company that normally builds bulldozers and those that heavy equipment. They've also got, would you believe, a smartphone, an Android phone, the Cat S60. Now, a reader uh, contacted me uh, via email, info at techguide.com.au, for anyone else who wants to send me a question and perhaps be featured on the podcast. The question was, should I buy it? Is there any place I can see it? Like This this is a, a, an $800 phone. We're not talking about a, a cheap phone here. And the, the reader asked me, is there any place I can see it? Uh, can I hold it in my hand before I buy it? And as far as I know, you can only buy it online. I haven't seen it in any store in any stores. Um, but my suggestion was: look, before you dive into the Cat S60, it's a, it's an eight hundred dollar phone. What about the idea of looking for a sturdy case instead? So rather than looking for a phone that's rugged, make the phone rugged. So my suggestion was to look look up different. Uh, websites of like LifeProof, Griffin, all these companies that make rugged cases, see what cases they're making for which devices and then make your decision. So obviously there'd be Samsung cases, iPhone cases, and, and there's several others, including Sony, Huawei, HTC, LG. There'd be plenty of choices here for this person to make the call on maybe buying a regular phone and putting the sturdy case on it. So it would be drop-proof, dust-proof, waterproof. Rather than spending big money on a phone sight unseen, the Cat S60, which I'm sure is a great phone, but I couldn't tell him whether it was a good phone or not. I haven't reviewed it. I haven't seen it. But the alternative, as I suggested, was buying a normal phone and just finding a rugged case for it so that you, when you're on the job site or whatever you need to do, you've got your case. Maybe on the weekend where you're not on the job site, you can take the case off and use it like a normal phone. I think that would be the easiest solution. 
But the Cat S60 uh, could still be his choice. I just decided, uh, I thought that maybe that other option was worth sharing. And buying cases, plenty of cases to buy that, that really toughens up your phone, makes it drop-proof, waterproof, all those kinds of things. And I've re- written about all those cases and also written about a lot of rugged smartphones at techguide.com.au. And that is the full-time siren for this week. It's the end of our show. We hope you enjoyed it. You can read about everything that we've spoken about, of course, at techguide.com.au. That's our website. If you want to get in touch with us, we love hearing from our readers. Please get in touch, info at techguide.com.au. If you want to drop us an email, you may be featured on our podcast. Uh, and if I will reply to your email and give you the answer that, uh, that you're looking for. A special thanks, we want to give a shout-out to Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening once again. We love having your company. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 